Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. Well, hello, Hope Community Church family. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Jason Gore, and I have the humble privilege of serving this church as our lead pastor. Uh, before we jump in, uh, there's a couple things that I want to share with you. One, uh, I do. I have the privilege uh, day in and day out to work with some of the greatest people on the planet with the staff here at Hope. And I want you to know the stories that I hear from them every single week at our staff meeting uh, of how God is at work in your lives and how you're actually working to love other people around you and to live out lives of ministry is so encouraging. I also want you to know the prayers that are prayed for you all amongst our staff uh, are so moving. And beyond that, uh, we have an elder team here at Hope and we get together for our meetings. And if you could hear the prayers that they pray for you and not just for you, but also for our community and our world, um, you would be floored. And I tell you that because it would be so easy in a big church like Hope just to feel like it's about just coming to a place on a weekend and showing up for people to do things up there. And then we go on about our lives. And really, this is a place uh, that's about each and every one of us who call Hope home, loving each other right where we are with all our imperfections, with all of our flaws, and encouraging one another to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so uh, welcome into that. If you don't know what Hope is about, uh, we're glad for you to be a part of it. The other thing I want to address uh, is about six to eight months ago, we made a decision as leadership to place Chase Gardner in the teaching pastor role here at Hope. And he's done an incredible job. But above that, I just want to recognize over the last few weeks, he has had to take on some difficult biblical truths. And the way that he has opened God's word and stayed true to what it is that God's word says, but done this incredible balance of grace and truth in a loving way that I believe Jesus would be happy with uh, has been at least beneficial to me and to my family and I know to so many of you. And so publicly, I just wanted to say thanks, Chase, for all the work that you're doing. Normally when Chase comes up here, he normally finds a way to poke fun of me, to make fun of me, but I'm gonna take the high road. I'm gonna be a little bit more mature than he is. And one time when I get up here and don't have as much to talk about, about, uh, maybe I'll start with the list of jokes. Well, here we are. We are in week three in a series that we are calling Counterculture. And this week, the topic that we are talking about is hope. And uh, I actually named this talk because I believe that it should be named this Unshakable Hope because we need it in our world right now. But if I could be honest with you for just a minute uh, before we jump in, uh, this is a difficult topic for me. Uh, and it's tough for a number of reasons. And, and that might be surprising to a lot of people. In fact, when we were going through the list of topics for this series, Chase actually said, well, listen, on the week of hope, that should definitely bring, that should definitely be Jason. I mean, he's the guy that oozes hope. And the truth is in a lot of environments that I interact with, that it kind of is my job is to bring the hope. And I hope that I do that for our staff here, for our church. I know I do it. I coach youth football, youth wrestling. That's kind of my job. That's my role in our family. But the truth is, because of some things that's happened to me in my life, starting at the age of like 14, some things happened that made it a little bit difficult for me to be honest with my emotions on some things. And so I don't know if what I have is true biblical, unshakable hope. I think what I have is a little bit more of a, a gritty hope, which uh, 
I actually think the church could probably use a little bit more of, to be honest with you, but that's probably a sermon for a different day. But, but what I've learned how to do is when my emotions get hotter, when I start to lose hope, I kind of just compartmentalize and I pretend like my emotions aren't real and I turn them off and I just get really disciplined and push through. And so that's where the grittiness comes from. But I'm not convinced that that's what true biblical unshakable hope is about. And so I tell you that just to let you know, we're in this thing together from the very beginning. And so uh, what does unshakable hope look like? That's, that's where we're headed. Another thing I want to point out before we get going is when you're talking about counterculture and you're talking about hope, it seems like those two things shouldn't be in the same sentence, right? I mean, like every single one of us should want more hope in our lives. Every single person in the world on the planet should want more hope in their life. Why is that countercultural? And what I've found over the last couple of weeks as I've been going through this is there is a difference between those who want hope in their lives and those who do have hope in their lives. And you don't have to spend a whole lot of time looking around and what's going on in the world. In fact, I actually spent some time looking up some stats that I was going to share with you on where things were. And I realized this is kind of a waste of time. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I can come up here and say, since 2020, it kind of feels like the world's been a dumpster fire. Right. And we just would immediately be able to connect in that and that we would know what's going on in the world around us and where we are. The truth is, um, things aren't great. I mean, things like anxiety and fear and despair are all around us. The things that we do know is like inflation is going up. Gas prices are going up. Our uh, stock portfolios are going down, right? There's war in Ukraine. We're worried about what's going to happen. Insecurity, we're experiencing that. And that's just kind of like the big picture stuff. That doesn't even take into account about what's going on underneath in our own lives. We don't really know about that stuff. We don't talk about it. But things like addiction, challenges in our marriage, challenges with our kids at home. And so all this stuff is sneaking in and we realize that having an unshakable hope in our lives is not something that's a normal thing. And it shouldn't surprise us. Okay, 1 Peter 5, 8, it tells us that, that we should be alert that we have an enemy. His name is the devil and he prowls around looking for someone to devour. And so that's a real thing that's going on around us in our lives, but it doesn't have to be that way. All right. And so uh, there is a man by the name of Ray Johnson. He's a pastor. He's quickly becoming a mentor of mine. I've known him for about a year. Uh, Ray wrote this book. Uh, it's called The Hope Quotient. Every single one of you should find a way. You should buy this book, order it on Amazon or download it on Audible and, and check this thing out. If you're listening online and, and can't see this, it's a, it's a white book with big red letters. It says HQ. Phenomenal book. Ray gives you seven steps, seven things that you need to keep your eye on to keep your hope quotient up. And we're not going to get fully into that in our time together. That's his story to tell. Maybe we'll have him come and share one weekend with us here at Hope. But here's what Ray points out. Ray says, underneath any man, woman, organization, family, or child that is thriving, underneath that is hope. And if you want to go through life and he says, if you want to go through life and enjoy life, not just endure life, because how many of us just endure life? But he says, if you want to enjoy it, you'd better pay attention to your hope quotient. And so what is that? Your hope quotient is your ability to maintain hope despite the circumstances that are going on around you in your life. And I'll never forget, um, Ray told me this about the time that I moved into the role of lead pastor here at Hope. He said, Jason, I'm telling you right now, 
Uh, if you are going to continue to lead well and to serve well as a pastor and to handle yourself well as a dad and as a husband in your family, the most important thing that you can pay attention to is your, the level of encouragement in your life. He said, you've got to pay attention to the level of hope in your life. And if you do, and if you can keep your hopefulness up, you will have an ability to be steady and to remain faithful to whatever it is that God calls us into. And so when he told me that, I thought, okay, well, this, is, this makes sense. This is the guy that's, uh, sorry, Ray, like he's on the other side of 65 for me. So he's done this before. He's walked alongside of other churches that have gone through some difficult transitions. I'd better take this to heart. And so for the last year, I've done a bit of research on this thing uh, called hope. And what I've realized is hope is not this pie in the sky thing that we just sit around and say, man, I hope my life will get better. That hope is actually a real fundamental belief. It's a core belief that some people hold and some people don't. But at the end of the day, we hold to it and it actually works as a coping mechanism to help us move from A to B when we're in difficult situations. Um, Angela Duckworth incredible writer, uh, she wrote a book called Grit. And in this book, uh, there's different research that's done to talk about uh, those who actually can push through difficult times. So in one of the studies, it shows that scientists have determined that there is a difference between optimists and pessimists. And this is what it says. It says that hard times in life come to both optimists and pessimists, which Go figure, we shouldn't be surprised, right? Like the Zach Brown band says, we're all in the same boat. And so that's a real thing. But she says the divergence is that optimists approach life and when difficult situations come, they have the perspective that what the discouragement is either temporary or that there's a cause that can be dealt with. As opposed to pessimists who naturally have an inclination to believe that it's either pervasive or permanent. And so when you go through her conclusion through that is you can actually be more hope filled if you believe that what you're going through in the moment is either temporary or there's something that you can actually deal with. And so I want to start there in our time together. And this is, this is what I want to pass. I just want to say, what if we, uh, what if we could get to a place to where we believe that every form of discouragement that we experience in our life is temporary or there's actually something that can and not only can be dealt with, but actually already has been dealt with and taken care of. And if we could come to that place together, I believe that we would have what the Bible would talk about as an unshakable hope. Now, I want to say this very quickly before I lose you, because you could just think, okay, listen, I came in here. I've got some big stuff. You don't understand what I've got going on. I want you to hear me say this. An unshakable hope does not mean that we won't hurt. It doesn't mean that. An unshakable hurt, an unshakable hope, it does not mean that, that we're always going to be happy. An unshakable hope does not mean that there's not going to be pain. That's a real thing. And so I just want to stop for a minute. I want you to hear me say, uh, I, I know that clinical anxiety and depression is a real thing. And there are times that maybe the last thing that you might need is another sermon. Uh, there are times that we need to go to see doctors. There's times where we need to go sit down with a therapist or a counselor, probably more than we would like to admit out loud. There's times where medication is important. And so I just want you, I don't want you to hear me say that, man, you should just have more hope and every problem in your life will go away. I'm actually saying something different. Your problems might not go away, but this unshakable hope is what gets us from today into tomorrow. Um, when all of you came in uh, across any of our campuses, you were given uh, a sheet of paper. 
It says counterculture on one side and on the other side, there's a question. And that question is, what is the one thing in life that you're almost ready to give up on? What is that thing? And if you're listening online, uh, hopefully your campus host kind of led you through uh, what to do that. But if you're just checking out the podcast or something and you missed that, uh, you have my permission just to press pause right now and get out a sticky note, get out a sheet of paper. And I want you to write down the question, what is the one thing in my life that I've almost given up on? I want you to take some time to think about it. And I want you to write down what that thing is. I want you to hear me say the pain from the things that hopefully all of you across all of our campuses have written down from that thing, it's real. And that's okay. Uh, for us to get to where we need to get to in our time together, we've got to be willing to own the fact that this is a real hurt that we have in our lives. And I'll tell you, I understand them all too well. I mentioned earlier when I was 14, uh, something happened to me in my life that it, we don't have the time to talk about right now, nor would it really be appropriate. But I will tell you this, it's led to a lifetime of wondering, can I really trust people? More than that, it's actually led me to a lifetime of being skeptical of people who actually work and are very involved in the church world. And so you go figure out the irony in that, but that's a real thing. Um, when my twins were born, I have 13-year-old twins and I have a 10-year-old little boy. But when Aiden and Addison were born, Diana went into labor at 26 weeks. We we're freaking out. Uh, she delivered at 28 weeks. They were, they were two and a half pounds when they were born. They got down to two pounds. And so I know what it feels like to be at the hospital for month after month after month with children. You're actually afraid to leave the hospital because the doctors told you that they won't make any guarantees for what you're going to find when you show up the next morning. I know, what's that, I know what that's like. Um, it was December of 2018. And I was at our Raleigh campus uh, so in the afternoon, I had a meeting. I got a phone call. It was from my mom. Um, she called. I didn't answer. My brother called immediately after. So I answered the phone. And um, have you ever had like a moment uh, in your life where you just feel like everything's about to change? Like nothing's going to be the same after this moment. And I just knew it. I said, hello. I said, hey, uh, mom's called already. And now you're calling. Is everything okay? And I hear my brother say um, on the other end, <laughs> No, everything's not okay. I think dad's dead. And I could hear in his voice that he was saying, I think dad's dead. But what I knew what he was saying is I can't say what I really know to be true. And so I immediately went back into the meeting that I was in. I said, I got to go. This is what my brother just called. The folks there prayed. I jumped in my truck and I started heading to my mom and stepdad's house. They live in the same neighborhood uh, where I do. And so I called my brother back on the way and I said, Hey, listen, you said you think he's dead. Like what, what's going on? See, my stepdad had Parkinson's and he'd had it for a while and he was on some medication and, um, he and I had had some conversations and I, I knew you look back and you hear things and you hear them differently. And I knew he was going through some struggles. I know he was struggling with where he was in life. He was a tough man that, that would never want anybody to have to do anything for him. He was the one that did everything for everybody else. And I knew he was struggling. I knew he was on medication that could kind of be linked to depression. But I'm driving home and I asked my brother, I said, well, what is it? Like he's got Parkinson's. Did he fall? Did he hit his head? What is it? And he said, no, he's, um, he said, uh, he's in the garage by himself and uh, there's nobody else around. There's a gun on the floor next to him. <laughs> and um, I said, I can't talk. I'll be there in a minute. 
And I get there and there's police there and the ambulance hasn't gotten there. And um, I start to run into the garage, the doors open and uh, I can hear my mom screaming inside the house. Where's my husband? Where's Ricky? Where's Ricky? And um, this police officer, uh, bless his heart, says, I can't let you in the garage. And um, he was about 140 pounds. And um, he, he wasn't going to stop me from going in the garage. And uh, in his grace, I said, I really need a moment. And he let me go by. And I can remember um, bending down over my stepdad and um, holding his hand and pushing it out of his face and thinking, it's not supposed to be like this. This is not supposed to be how the world is. This is not how a relationship, I've got kids, you've got grandkids. I know this was hard. I'm sorry. And then I switched and I hope you knew how much I love you. I'm sorry you got to this place where you felt like you were at the end. And so I want you to know, um, I know what it's like to go through life and uh, to ask questions. Like, did I do enough? Could I have done more? And to carry with you, like, what if things would have been different? And to wonder, like, do I have the hope to navigate through? See, my stepdad, at the time, my mom had some health issues. He was her primary caretaker. I didn't know how we are going to make it through. Now, I will tell you that through incredible family and friends and coworkers, like, folks banded together and came together to help love my mom, some of which they had never met. And now she is in an incredible place. I mean, we've seen so much victory in her life. But I, I understand what it means to go through life and have questions and to have some things where you just wonder, can I really make it through to the next day? Here's what we're going to do uh, in the rest of our time. I do believe even in those moments in our lives. And I'm standing here as proof that God wants to continue to bring hope in our lives. And there's some things that I've learned that you've got to pay attention to. And I'm going to share them with you in the rest of our time together. So we're going to look at a passage of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. I don't know how far we're going to go. All right. But we're going to start there. And I'm going to highlight some things pretty quickly for us there. And then we're going to move to put it into a bigger context, into a bigger story. Because I think that's when everything's going to come to life. Okay. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. And here's what it says. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it up on the side screens. It should be with you right in front of you there online. Verse three, praise be to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil or fade. This inheritance, it's kept in heaven for you who, and that who is you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Why is this important? Verse six, in all of this, you should greatly rejoice, though now, see, this is where Peter's recognizing, <laughs> though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So Peter's talking to a group of people that are going through some difficult times. And he just highlights some things that I kind of want to elevate for us here. He starts out in verse three. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right out of the gate, what Peter does is he says, listen, I'm talking to some people that are going through trials, some difficult times. We need to start with God. So we're going to start there. You show me a person 
that is constantly looking in the mirror, talking about their own difficult times, talking about themselves, talking about other people who are to blame for what's going on in their lives or constantly blaming some external circumstances. And I will show you someone who is dealing with hopelessness. I will show you someone who's discouraged. I will show you someone who's bitter. And that's what we typically do, right? When we get in difficult situations, we have a tendency to look to ourselves. And some people, we do that in almost a good way. We say, this is kind of what I was talking about with myself. We just say, I'm gonna pick myself up by my bootstraps and I'm gonna take care of it as if that works long time, long term. I know plenty of people that have put in New Year's resolutions and they don't even have the discipline to not eat a Kit Kat when they're supposed to. And yet somehow we think that we can handle that ourselves or we just sit there and look at ourselves and feel sorry for ourselves. So we look to ourselves, we look to other people, this person did this, that person did that, or we look to external circumstances. That's our tendency, which we've seen plenty of, right? It's, it's politics, uh, it's the medical world, uh, you name it. it. It's gas prices, it's inflation, it's all these types of things. And what, what Peter is saying to us right out of the gate is, is like, listen, you're gonna be tempted to do that. We gotta turn our attention to God. You know another thing that we have a tendency to do? Um, and th this is, um, you know, Jesus talks a lot about money in the New Testament. In fact, uh, Peter actually says later, your faith that takes you through this stuff, that's more precious than gold. All right. And that's because your money is not going to get you through what it is that you're going through right now. And I say that only because I know right now with inflation, with gas prices, with, 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 in, with uh, interest rates going up, with the housing market going up, we're sitting around here thinking like, what's going to happen with our money? And, and if that is you, if you struggle with that, let me encourage you, please don't open your 401k statement when it comes this month. Just don't do it. Because it's going to cost. That's why generosity is so important. Because it actually it actually frees us from the feeling that we have this dependency, or that we can get our hope from something that is not going to provide it. And so we've got to be careful against it. The first key to having unshakable hope in the midst of difficult times is we got to look to God right away. We look to God and worship Him in the good times. We look to Him in the bad times. He moves on. The rest of verse three. So God, in his great mercy, he has given us, that's past tense, he has given us new birth. Uh, the ESV, the NASB, I believe it, the translation is, he has caused us, he's caused us, past tense, to be born again. Okay, so our first birth wasn't enough. Our first birth is like born into this. Remember, welcome to the dumpster fire. So that's our new, but in his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now at this point in time in human history, Jesus Christ had already resurrected from the dead. Peter had already been saying that. So what he's saying is, praise be to God, through his great mercy, he has already caused us to be born again into a living hope. In spite of our circumstances, we can have this hope. Why? Because Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Now if you're new to church, you're like, hey, I, I don't have any idea what that means. That's okay, I'm gonna explain it in a minute. Okay, that's verse four, it moves on, or verse three. Moves on to verse four. So Jesus is resurrected from the dead and we have this new birth into a living hope, verse four, and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil or fade. It sounds like that's eternal, that's because it is. Uh, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith you're shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed 
and the last time. So this whole thing, he's saying, you have a living hope, which is an inheritance, which by the way, if you have an inheritance, that means there's something already there. And then it says, it goes on to say, it's ready to be revealed. So there's something that is there that's ready to be revealed, but it said it's waiting for a specific time. This is not like I'm waiting for the time for gas to get back down to $2 a gallon because it might not happen. This is like... um, This is like if it's someone's birthday and you've baked a birthday cake already and it's just sitting off to the side. It's ready to be revealed at the right time. It's just not time yet. And so there is this inheritance that's for us, this hope that we have in the future, that it's already there. It's just not time yet to get to it. And you could be here right now and be like, okay, got it. Look to God. Remember what he's done. That's the second key point. Uh, Remember what Jesus has done. And then three, have confidence in the future. And I I wanted to have confidence in the future, but then you started talking about heaven. And um, I don't even know if I really know anything about heaven. (laughs) What's heaven going to be like? Is heaven really that exciting? And and, and I'll just tell you, when I was growing up, um, I saw pictures of what was maybe supposed to be heaven and it looked like it was fat babies with angel wings on clouds playing a harp. And uh, if that's what heaven is about, I'm with you. I'm like hard pass. I have no desire uh, to sit around and do that. I mean, I'm a wrestler. I like to do things outside. I like to exercise, like sit around and listen to music. What's the country song? Sitting here, drinking beer, talking God, amen. Like that to me sounds like a little bit more of what heaven should be like. Um, But there's more to the story. You know, we we don't fully understand. And part of it is, is because one of the things we mentioned the enemy, one of the things that the enemy does is he doesn't want us to think about eternity. He doesn't want us to think that there's a better day tomorrow. He wants, you look at that sheet of paper that you have right now in front of you. He wants you to focus on that. And this is it. And the here and now, and that's all there's ever going to be. And Peter's saying, that's just not true. It's only for a little while that you're going to be going through these trials. We need to be praising God right now because in his great mercy, he's been allowed us to be re born into a living hope, into an inheritance that is already there. That's what's available to us. Now, there are some things that Peter's audience would have understood that don't make a whole lot of sense to us. And so those three things that I just gave you and that I kind of rushed through, I know there's a group of people that like you come and you hear a sermon or you listen to a podcast and you're like, I need somebody to give me three things. Okay, so there's your three things. All right, so you're, you're happy. Uh, the, the keys to uh, a, a hope-filled life, an unshakable hope. We gotta look to God. We gotta remember what he's done. We've gotta have confidence in our future. Uh, here's what I wanna do. I am going to, um, to help us understand a little bit more about this future thing, because I think if we can understand what our confidence is in, uh, it will bring us a little bit more hope. And so uh, as, I, as I get ready to do this, what I want you to do, I want you to look at your card one more time, and I want you to look at that thing uh, that's causing you to almost give up. And uh, then I want you to hear me say this. Uh, And I'm going to start at the beginning, like literally the beginning, (laughs) Uh, the book of Genesis. If you have a Bible, uh, Genesis is the first book in the Bible. And it opens by saying, in the beginning was God. And uh, God created uh, the heavens and the earth. It says that he created water and land. He created the sun, the stars, plants, animals. And as he does this, it says that God said it was good. And then he creates man and woman. He creates people, humans. 
and he breathes life into them, breathes life into Adam, creates Eve, and he says, this, this is very good. And uh, as you read, what you find is God is actually walking with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. But it's not like if myself and my wife, Diana, were walking and talking about God. This is like he is walking with them. And the Bible says that everything was good and right and perfect. And what that means is, and I want you to understand this, you look at your card right now, that thing that's on your card and that thing that's on my card and that thing that's on thousands of people's cards all across all of our campuses and that are gonna listen to this podcast and, and, and that maybe the, 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 the billions and billions of people that have actually lived on this earth, if they were to have cards, everything that's written on those cards no one had experienced in life ever. And what happened, because remember we have an enemy and Satan who is looking to steal, to kill, to destroy. He's looking to devour. What happened is he comes into the garden as a serpent and he goes to Eve and he knows that God has told Adam and Eve, you can do anything you want. Just don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. If you do, you will die. And so the serpent comes to Eve and he does what he does and he begins with lies and he gets her questioning things. And he says, you know, did God say that you'll really die? I mean, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, because here, here's what I think. I, I think maybe uh, God knows that if you eat from it, then you'll just know the difference between good and evil and you'll actually be like God. If you want to be like God, what's stopping you? You can do whatever you want to do. And I'll tell you, that lie that he was using with Eve is the same pervasive lie that is taking our culture and taking our world and tearing it apart and leading us to the hopelessness that we know. And it started right there. And he begins to get her to wonder, man, does God really have my best interest in mind? Does God, does God really love me? And in a moment of weakness, which we've all had in our lives, she takes a bite and she gives it to Adam. And in that moment, everything changes. And everything that you have written on your card and that I have written on my card and everyone else's card is experienced for the first time. Shame, guilt, anxiety, fear, hurt, pain. And so God shows back up on the scene and he's walking through the garden. He says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Adam says, well, we're hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Well, we're scared. We're naked. Says, who told you you were naked? <laughs> and he asked, he said, did you, did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? And Adam, right out of the gate. Uh, Eve made me do it. <laughs> and, and we laugh. But that's what we talked about earlier. I mean, we're still doing the same thing. We're still trying to blame other people. And that started for the first time, blame enters in. And then Eve says, no, 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 the serpent, the serpent made me do it. And what happens is God, he, he doesn't, it's not that he just rages with anger because that's not what happens at all. What happens is his heart breaks because he realizes uh, that everything that was good, right, and perfect um, isn't gonna be anymore. 
for Adam and Eve. And he realizes that everything that we have written on our cards is now going to be our new reality. And so he's heartbroken. But because God can't be in the presence of sin, which is what rebellion against God is, he knows that they can't live forever. It actually wouldn't be loving for them to live forever uh, because uh, living forever outside of the presence of God is actually the literal definition of hell, living eternally separated from God. And God knows that that can't happen. And so he tells them, listen, you're gonna have to leave the garden. And at some point uh, you will die a physical death. But before they leave, God looks at him and he says, listen, this is just temporary. I am going to make right what has been made wrong. And he says, I'm going to crush the head of that serpent. And one day, all of this will be put back together again. From that moment forward, throughout the rest of scripture, in, in, in the Bible, you see God passionately chasing after his people, doing everything that he can do to call them into what he has actually created for. Now you learn some things along the way, things like uh, for the forgiveness of sins, there has to be shedding of blood. And that's a whole nother sermon. You're like, what are you talking about? Whole nother sermon. But everything and every single one of the stories in here in some way actually point to Jesus, God's son, that one day is going to step down from heaven, come down to earth, which this has already happened. And it points to, and so Jesus one day comes down to earth and he lives the life that none of us could live. He lives the perfect life. And then he takes a punishment and a penalty that we deserve to take through a death on a cross. And he goes into the tomb and then he rises again three days later, once and for all, overcoming sin and death. And I think a lot of times we just, even if we've been following Jesus for a long time, we just think, okay, that's what it means. Jesus came, he resurrected, it gives us, it restores our relationship with God. He paid the price for our sins so that we could have a restored relationship with God and a living home. And that's it. That's not it. There's this whole other thing on the other side called eternity in heaven, where everything is put back together again. And that's what Peter's trying to tell us about with our inheritance. He's saying, no, no, no it doesn't actually stop here. There's an inheritance for us that's yet to be lived into. And, and it's important to understand this and, and to really communicate this. I'm going to, I'm going to, if you've got your Bible, turn to Revelation. And I, I know the book of Revelation can kind of be this book that seems a little bit scary. It's, it's really a, a guy, John, on an island that, has, that God gives him a vision of what the end times are going to be like. And you just kind of get this picture of what it means for Jesus to, to restore and to, to make new, a new heaven and a new earth and what it's going to be like. And it says this towards the end, chapter 21. Verse three, it says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. This is in the future. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Doesn't that sound like a lot like what happened over here? When he's just with them, they're just together. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I love how the children's storybook Bible says it. it says all that has been made wrong will be made right. And in that moment, everything that's on your card and on my card 
and on the thousands of cards across all of our campuses and in the six to seven billion cards that are on planet earth right now and the billions and billions that would have been in existence before now, in that moment, it all goes away. And that is what it means to have an unshakable hope. If you can hear my voice, I want you to know that there will be a day where everything that we're experiencing, everything that we felt in our life when we were down on our knees and we were saying, it doesn't seem like things are supposed to be this way. You are right. And one day they will be made right again. And that's where we have our unshakable hope. Now, um, we could end right here. <laughs> uh, we, we could go home and hopefully you would leave with a bit more hope. But the reality is, you know, Peter tells us we're going to go through some trials. We're going to go through some difficult times right now. And the truth is every single one of us have something written down on our card right now. And that doesn't make it go away. Remember, an unshakable hope doesn't mean that there's not hurt. It doesn't mean that there's not pain. It doesn't mean that there's always happiness. And so what do we do in between the tension of the now and the not yet revealed? And so Peter kind of, towards the end of this book, he, he says this in chapter five, five verse six. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse seven, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Some translations read, cast all your anxieties and cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Jesus says in Matthew, he says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, just come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. And Peter's saying, listen, I know you've got anxiety. There is a hope. I know you've got fear. I know you've got guilt. I know you've got shame. I know you've got questions. We do have a hope for one day in the future, but for the right now, you have a Jesus that has been nailed to a cross, that's gone down into a tomb and he's rose again, overcoming sin and death. He can handle your struggles because he's already dealt with them. And so here's what we're gonna do across all of our campuses. Um, the worship teams are gonna come back out. They're gonna play a song, uh, it's called Same God. Uh, we introduced it here at Hope last week. And we're going to sing this song together and we're going to celebrate. We're going to remind each other of the things that God has done and the things that God still can do. And what we're going to do as you're ready, every single one of us that has a card, uh, we're going to get up as you're ready and we're going to come forward and we're going to lay them at the front of whatever stage is in whatever room that you're in. And we're going to lay them down. And what's going to be a sign is a symbol of us casting our anxieties and casting our cares at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to do this together. And, you know, that's one of the things we got to realize. And it's like we think that we should be ashamed of what it is that's on that card. And that is a lie that the devil uses to get you focused on that, to get you discouraged. The reality is every single one of us has our own anxieties. We all have anxieties. We all have our fears. We all have our sin. We all have our mistakes. We all have our guilt. We all have our questions. But we also all have a savior. And we also all have a king who went to a cross, who went to a tomb, and three days later came out. And because of that, we have a living hope. And so I just want to invite you as the band comes out to be ready to come forward and lay those across the front of the stage. 
I also know in a, in a conversation like this, where we're recognizing, but I am still hurting, but I, I do still have pain. Uh, we're gonna have some prayer team members at the front of all of our rooms. And I just would invite you, if you need prayer, you can come forward and, and we, some folks from our team would love to pray with you. Uh, you might be here uh, at one of our campuses and you might be hearing this for the first time and think, man, I've never really done that, but for the first time, I wanna put my hope in Jesus. And, and I hope, I hope that you do. And if that's you, I just wanna encourage you, just come forward. You might think it's gonna be awkward. Gosh, it might be a little bit, <laughs> but the freedom that you will experience is worth it. Just come forward, come to someone and say, I need to put my hope in Jesus. And they'll talk with you. They'd be happy to get you connected, answer any questions that you have, but they'll pray with you and introduce you into a relationship with Jesus. If you're watching this uh, online, gethope.tv, um, you can cast your anxieties in the feet of Jesus all the same. He doesn't care where you are. If you wanna be so bold as to type it in the chat, I would encourage you to type it in the chat. Maybe uh, you wanna keep it to yourself. That's okay. What I want you to do is that card that you've got in front of you, I want you to write over top of it in big letters, we have a living hope. And you can keep that with you in your Bible or you can ball it up and throw it away and celebrate that you have given that to Jesus. But this is a moment for us. This is a moment for us to cast our cares at the feet of Jesus and to recognize and to live into the unshakable hope that we have in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that um, every single one of our hearts right now would be able to mirror uh, the text that we just went through in 1 Peter when he says, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, who in his great mercy has given us new life into a living hope. Father, I pray for the man or the woman or the student who right now is in a place of saying, yeah, I get it. I, I know I have hope in the future, but the pain right now is overwhelming. And so, Lord, I pray that right now they would experience in a supernatural way through the power of your Holy Spirit, a loving touch, that they would experience peace, maybe in a way that they haven't in years. Father, would they come to know that they have a church family here that wants to come alongside of them, that wants to love them in spite of whatever it is. I don't know if it's a hopelessness because of something else someone else has done or an addiction to something that they're ashamed of that they think they will never get through. In Jesus' name, we pray that they would find freedom and healing in a community of people that would come alongside of them and love them right where they are. And Father, I pray that we as Hope Community Church would be a church that not only finds hope, but understands that somebody has to take that hope out into the world around us. Lord, would we go out and do everything that we can do to point people to the hope that we have and what you have done and what you offer to us in the days ahead and even in the difficulties right now that we can cast our fears and our anxieties at your feet. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. 
To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.